Welcome to another episode of the Hot House Transplants Podcast. I am your host, Matt Duffy. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Facebook. Check out the website at hothousetransplants.com for all of our content. And of course, join us for each episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi. It's, uh, Hi. it's so nice to uh, get to do this with you. Let me close some of this Thank down. Thank you. It's a fairly open-ended question, but but I have found the best way to start is really just asking if you guys, if you would give me a snapshot of what your homeschool experience was like growing up. We have, mm-hmm. I, I've reread again what you wrote in the book. Um, yeah, but it's I a could fairly, look at that. Oh, you did? I didn't. <laughs> It's, it's okay. It's mostly because it's, you know, you're 19 and you're talking a lot about the Kindred Spirits magazine. Okay. You, you give little glimpses of the before, but very little. You're really focusing on what God had been doing sure. with the magazine. But sure. um, so, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, give us a snapshot. What was it like growing sure. up? So um, let's see. The very beginning is I started out preschool, you know, a couple of days a week at a parochial school. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a big deal. It was just go. And I had little friends there and everything, but I did not flourish there. I was there for two years. Like, I'm kind of wondering why I was there preschool, you know, maybe three and four or something. But anyways, I was not flourishing there. Um, I was kind of introverted, especially as a very young child. And so I think that contributed a lot to just some anxiety issues going on with me at that time. My mom had no plans of homeschooling. She heard about homeschooling from a friend at that time when I was just about five or just under five. And she just kind of laughed it off because it's like, this was 1983. Who does that? Nobody does that. She heard about homeschooling on the radio. Uh, It was a famous radio broadcast in that year. And she was like, she came away from there being like, oh, I am definitely going to do this. So she goes and talks to my dad. My dad's like, Sure. You know, I, he didn't have a whole lot of reason to say no or yes at that point. But after they started that homeschooling process, I really began to flourish just a month or two in just, there was some anxiety issues. I don't know what anymore because four and five, three, I don't really remember what that was. Um, but I really began to flourish and my dad saw that and he's like, if it's this good, we're going to go through high school, which we did. So, uh, yeah, my experience was I have one younger brother. He's only 20 months. Right. Yes, Chris. And it's just like growing up as twins, basically, because, you know, there's so little age difference and we're the only two siblings. So anyways, he was three at that time. I was five and it was just a great experience for us. I remember some of the first things my mom did, just sitting down on the couch and reading aloud to us. And so we went all the way through high school, both both my brother and I graduated from homeschooling high school and uh, we lived in two states. Uh, My mom started a big co-op out in Arizona uh, that she ran, you know, we did a lot of field trips and that kind of thing. And then when we were in St. Louis, I was those ages of 12 to 17. So, uh, you know, a little bit different category, but we plugged into actually a couple of different homeschool groups, did a lot of co-op kinds of things. This is before co-ops were really big, but we did a lot together uh, in that way. Then we moved back to Arizona. And I finished my homeschooling experience there a year later. So um, you know, that just gives you a little bit of a snapshot of where our, uh, what our homeschooling startup was like. And that fits, cause I think you were in Scottsdale when you wrote this. Yes. Right. 18 or 19. So that's what I was wondering. How did you get back? So it was just you and your brother did, um, 
Was there something, was there anything else going on in your guys' life that led your parents to want to homeschool other than the anxiety that you were experiencing? Or was that the primary thing that kind of pushed you guys to, to begin? I, I, you know, I think, no, that would not have been, that was kind of just an after fact. Okay. Um, but I will say, I think my mom had a really hard time with that initial sending me to preschool, even though it was like, again, a couple okay. hours, a couple mornings a week. So it wasn't even that much. But she just loved the relationship we had of doing stuff together and being together all the time. And so I think that was one of those like, oh, I, I, I kind of hate that this is she viewed it not as like that was the actual, you know, like now we're not going to be together as much. But she knew it was the start of that that trend there. She had had very good school experiences herself. And my dad had had quite tolerable experiences as well. My mom grew up in Pennsylvania, my dad out in Long Beach, California. So completely oh, different wow. worlds there. Yeah, very much so. But, um, you know, it wasn't anything reactive as far as their experiences, although they had both, you know, come through the 60s. And so they had seen a whole lot of the world changing around them. And I think felt like, you know, the, the, what the schools were starting to teach and the cultural shift that was happening at that time, I think they were like, yeah, this isn't exactly what we want for our children. So it was a bit of an academic thing of wanting to just go ahead and start that process and having a good foundation in academics for my brother and I, a lot of it was relational. Um, I would say probably at that time, very little was spiritual. My, my mom and dad were Christians at this time. But um, I think that they really didn't see, they didn't really see homeschooling as a venue for discipleship in Christianity as much as just, you know, the relationship aspect really drew them as being able to spend time together, learn together, do things together, have a tight family bond. And you guys, you guys were at a church then when this happened, yeah, like you were attending a church as a family. Yes. Yes, we were. So my mom was saved about a year before I was born. And my dad talks a little bit about like maybe a couple years later, he grew up with some Christian background, but um, he would probably say it was really through kind of like the the Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey, Larry Biquette, Biquette uh, yes. had a program that was based on like kind of just giving your finances to the Lord. And my dad was working in the financial realm. As okay. a stockbroker. So I think there was that idea of, you know, okay, my finances even can be something that surrendered to the Lord. I think that was like a, a tipping point for him going, I get it. I get the whole orbed aspect of every part of our life being given to the Lord. So that was a big issue for him in coming to Christ. And, you know, that was when I was again, four or five, somewhere in that range before we started homeschooling. So probably more like four, but um, yeah. So we, we always went to church. They started, different little church down the road. And then we ended up going to some mega churches later on and then medium size and back to small. So all kinds of variety there. Uh, it's been interesting because a lot of the, um, a lot of the stories, the, 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 the response was all over the place about how their church reacted and the church community reacted when they started to homeschool. Some sure. were very positive, some were very negative. What was yeah. your guys' experience in your church context when you guys decided to homeschool? Do you, right. and, and, and bearing in mind, that's a long time ago. So I didn't know if even at your age, you remember what yeah. that was like. You know, with our church, it was over 5,000 people. I don't wow. think there was a ruffle at all. Okay. Now, you know how big churches are. They've always got those small groups. Yep. yep. So um, my mom and dad had a Bible study, met in our home every week. 
And I had little friends that their parents were in the Bible study as well. They'd come over every week. Uh, they were a government school. And so, um, you know, just for context. So it's like, I never remember that conversation coming up in any context okay. um, as far as any friction there or the church having any looking down on it in any way or, you know, promoting it in any way. Uh, now with grandparents, that was a whole nother thing. Um, particularly my mom's parents were, <laughs> it's, I think it's always hard for the grandparents when their parent, when their children start homeschooling their grandchildren, because sometimes it can feel like a bit of a slap in the face, like, oh, you think we didn't do well enough. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of that. And like, how are they can be prepared for the real world? I think there was a lot of that. And then my uncle was a principal in a school down in Florida for all my growing up experience. So, you know, he looked a little bit like, really, you know, you're going to homeschool, which always is fun to see the turn because it got to a point when we were, my brother and I, in our mid-teens or so, and they started seeing the fruit or hearing about test results or just, you know, getting to know us uh, as young people. And they started going, oh, okay. And so the, their negativity really subsided about that time. And in it wasn't school. overly negative. It was just, it was kind of there. So did, yeah. did, uh, did the grandparents have this feeling as though your parents were going to ruin your guys' lives by doing homeschooling or was it more just, they felt like it was suggesting that they were, they didn't do a great job. I think it was more, they felt like we would not be able to financially make it. I think that was for my uh, grandfather okay. in particular, he gotcha. had worked at Monsota. He had built his own, um, television in the 50s he was totally you know, like always driven to climb the corporate ladder be a manager okay. to make it financially have his own business so i think for for him particularly his concerns were are my grandchildren going to be able to be financially stable that was yeah. that was the major thrust there um so you know like i said things subsided one thing that was kind of a special thing for my brother and I is as he was phasing out of his home business, uh, he brought my brother and I along and taught us the business. We took it over for several years. Oh, wow. uh, it was kind of one of those dying businesses. So it, it, it had a cap, but um, for several years we ran his business. So I feel like even, even though he had those early concerns, it really kind of came to a point where it wasn't an issue um, and he could see that. And then my brother, my brother has built a, his own business. I've built a business with my husband. So, you know, seeing the fruit of how things turned out, I don't feel like he ever, you know, he didn't have any cause later on to be concerned. It's interesting because it, it segues beautifully because one of the biggest reasons we wrote the book was because at that time, especially it was early enough in the homeschool world that people were genuinely concerned that the yeah. homeschool students' lives were going to be ruined. You would be yes. uneducated, antisocial, incompetent, dysfunctional, no career, no future. You know, those were those were huge concerns, especially in the early 80s right. when your parents started, my parents started. And so a lot of the book was designed to say, here are here are some of the big concerns out there. Here's some yeah. people who have in this case, most of us were in our late teens to early twenties, and it was it was designed to say, "Hey, these these students have gone through the homeschool world. They're not outcasts. They're not dysfunctional." Yeah. But as you say, it really 
in a lot of those circumstances, it took the time to see mm-hmm. the proof in our lives for mm-hmm. people to stop and go, okay, maybe, maybe I was a little bit off, but I remember that that was huge. Those criticisms were very yeah. prevalent. So what were some of the other things that you guys had to deal with as far as criticisms or concerns were as you were growing up in this community, in, in the homeschool community? Yeah. Um, you know, always there's the socialization question that comes up, sure. which was a little bit laughable in our case because we were very <laughs> yeah. involved. Like I said, my mom started the homeschool group uh, in our area and it had hundreds of families. So it, it was like we saw so many people all the time through those homeschool connections. Over in St. Louis, we did a lot of, you know, the typical debate um, kinds of classes, art classes, soccer classes, which I didn't enjoy, you know, just all kinds of stuff. So we were very immersed there. But then we also had our church community, uh, neighborhood friends. You know, my my dad was heavily involved with sailboating. So um, we had friends there. Um, so the socialization aspect was never an issue for our family in reality. But it's funny how it always became the question in the grocery store. You know, how do your kids see anybody or socialize? And so, like I said, it, it just was not a part of our life at all. Um, I would say another critique or criticism was, you know, people wondering, well, what do you do? Like, how does a somebody who isn't a credentialed teacher pass on everything to their student, their child? And, um, you know, I think for my mom, it was a little bit like, well, she had a very good education herself. So it wasn't, she never felt incompetent. She also felt like I can tackle this, I, you know, I'll learn alongside my children. I'll find a tutor if I have to, or, or find a class. And so, um, you know, again, that was like that criticism, that critique was going around for sure. Um, you know, I think right now people would talk about the financial aspect, but perhaps when one income families were a little more common 30 years ago, 40 years yeah. ago, almost, uh, so yeah. that that doesn't seem to surface a whole lot in that time. I think it probably would come up more often now. And did you also, with the homeschool community you guys were a part of, did you guys do group classes where um, other par- you would go to a, a a class, let's say, with other students, but another parent would teach it? Yes, we did a bunch of different ways. Um, So I know we had one group when I was quite young, you know, maybe that seven, eight-year-old, <clears throat> excuse me, where my mom and several other moms got together. We'd get together at someone's house. You know, like someone was in charge of snacks. Someone would do certain teaching and uh, yeah. then they would rotate the moms. So it was kind of a okay. science, yeah. art, literature sort of thing. And uh, we did that. We did some co-ops where it'd be like, go for half a day, one day a week and do, you know, a speech class. Um, I remember art always being involved, which I was not particularly gifted at. Uh, even some like English grammar kinds of things. And then we did do some more like club things. I mentioned the debates being involved in one of those. So uh, various experiences. I'm really glad I had those experiences. I also am really glad that we didn't overdo it. My mom really wanted to have kind of a good balance there of being involved with some of those classes, learning from them, growing from them, but then also having just that time needed at home to do the work that we had at home. So you know, for myself, I really feel like we had a really good balance. Um, You know, things have shifted so much where I see today so much more on emphasis of even 
co-ops that go much longer, many more of the core classes. So it's just kind of interesting seeing those changes for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think the the, the co-ops helped a lot as far as, you know, support groups, having just some some of the people to get together and do groups related things. And and I think that also that also helps with that issue of the parents feeling like um, they don't have to be responsible to know and be able to teach every class that you sure, have. They have the different parents that. using their own skills. And I remember we did that a lot too, where um, you'd go around to the different families and the mother would say, okay, I'll teach English. Okay, I'll teach Spanish. I'll sure. teach science. I'll, you know, And that was neat because as you say, it's a very different dynamic when you are under the, the teaching of somebody else, you know, having your mom or your dad teaches one thing, but then when you have to sit underneath, there's a different accountability sometimes and a different experience. Sure. That's, sure. I found that, that to be very beneficial. So um, as you guys got closer to high school, was there a change in how you viewed your experience in the homeschool world? Sort of as you were becoming young adults, was there a time where you felt like, this was holding you back in any way, or did you feel like you had a great freedom in the homeschooling that you were raised in um, to experience life, to experience the world in the way you, you wanted to? No, I would say I never felt held back. I would say that, um, you know, I always had kind of a wanting to know what was next, what is next year. So we moved when I was 12. And that, of course, leaving your friends at age 12 is yeah. a little challenging. Yeah. So there's that whole dynamic going on. Why, we did end up meeting a lot of great friends. So, you know, very quickly even. But in that kind of six months to a year uh, time, I really just was like, I might as well do schoolwork. Plus we moved from sunny Arizona to rainy to <laughs> in like February or something crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I was <laughs> inside a lot more than I had been used to. And you, you, that age is just great for academics too, because something usually clicks in somebody. So, you know, I was an average sure. student before that. Um, but I just really was like, I could, I could double up here. I could like do four days in one day if I really cram, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So that I, that's me personally. I think that contributed a whole lot to my experience, just being able to say, okay, what can I do here to get ahead academically? I ended up graduating at 17, which is, you know, almost 18. So it's not, I wasn't like, I didn't actually, I know some families like really accelerate that whole thing. We didn't, yeah. um, but I never felt held back because I was able to kind of have a little bit of control over how fast I went, how slow I went. So that, I think that gave me a lot of sense of success in the whole thing. You know, when you see pages going by and tests taken and see it all clicking. Um, I think that helps a lot. Now I will say chemistry just about killed me. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Apparently not alone in that. I have no brain for chemistry. Oh, I cried. I wanted out of that so bad. And so my mom found a tutor uh, who, you know, we'd kind of like, by the time that I realized it was that bad and that it was that stressful, uh, the homeschool class that was doing the class, the chemistry class had already begun. So my mom said, Hey, can, you know, would you be a tutor? And he got me through that year. I have no idea how I passed chemistry, but, um, anyhow, by the grace of God, like most of us, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one academic area that, oh my goodness, that, that was difficult. But, um, Anyhow, you know, I, I think 
that would be me personally that just loved seeing the boxes checked off for high yeah. school. And that gave me a great sense of being able to feel like, okay, this is going to help me almost fast track in a sense, not accelerated again, but a fast track to getting to where I want to go. Now, where I wanted to go was a little bit iffy at 15. I was still like, oh, wow, I don't know what I want to do. My dad really wanted me to go to college, really wanted me to get a career going. I was in that place of going, I don't really want to leave home. I don't want to, um, I don't know exactly what I want to do uh, in that, that realm. And, you know, sometimes I, I think people worry so much about what am I going to do in life? What's, what's going to happen. And obviously you need to work at it and all that, but the things, so much of it fell into place for me that it kind of was like, well, I spent a lot of time worrying about this and I really didn't need to. Um, so I ended up choosing to go with a online, uh, college, and I really did appreciate it. It was good. I, I enjoyed the classes. It worked out very beautifully. I only ended up doing a couple of the credits there because at that same time, my grandmother was passing away. She had some severe dementia, I'm sorry, severe degenerative uh, brain issues. It's kind of a rare disease. So we were doing a lot of caretaking for her. And then we were caretaking for my grandfather who had a quadruple bypass surgery at the same time. Oh, so wow. it was kind of exciting. That's busy. Anyways, uh, life was coming along. And then I guess this is a good chance just to talk about the kindred spirits had come. I believe when I was 15, I started that. Yeah. Um, and it was like, I was totally immersed in using that just for writing, but also for just the curiosity of finding out publications and how to do printing and, and you know, connecting with editors and that kind of thing to see how I could keep improving that. And as that was going, I decided to take a pause on the college arena and go into that full force. We did other, I, you know, like I was still involved with church classes and stuff. We had a book discussion, that kind of thing that was loosely academic post high school. But anyhow, um, I really just kind of jumped right into trying to establish that business and that with the magazine and take it from there. So, um, yeah, you know, like, I think I had a lot of fears about what would I do personally post high school. And like, even though college was kind of the, the thing that my, my dad in particular hoped I would go for just knowing what, well, what would I choose? What avenue would I choose? How would I get a job? You know, questions that every teenager, I think probably has as far as what would I do? Um, I never felt like homeschooling was going to hold me back from that. I always felt very, um, uh, adequately enabled by homeschooling. And so, um, you know, I don't know if I ever talked with other homeschool kids at that time about those things, because, you know, we're all just we doing our classes. We, yeah. And we stuff didn't together. think like, yeah, we just typically weren't thinking about those kinds of things at the time. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is why it's fun in hindsight to look back and, and, yeah. and to, to, to dig into those. What happened with Kindred Spirits, by the way? Because that is a big emphasis of the book. Is that still? I was going to look up that next after because I forgot. It, no, did, are you still doing? No, I'm okay. not. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a huge part of my life, and and I loved it. It was so fun to write. Um, I'm I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a writer inside. I just like to pass on a message, 
And it was a great way to connect with a lot of people and to explore some, you know, some different themes and ideas and so forth. And so that was, my dad really had a business mind for helping me just be like, you need to make sure that it's actually making money and not losing money every month. And, you know, <laughs> right. Something like that, at least breaking even was his thought. And so that was fun to kind of just learn bit by bit about everything, bulk mailings and all that. Anyways, I went for six years with it, um, grew oh, okay. a good database. Yeah. And when we were engaged, I decided to stop it. We did do like one more edition later on, but I wanted to stop it because I hoped to have children and I didn't want to get in a tight spot where I was trying to manage too much. So yeah, I ended up yeah. just, just closing it down. And, uh, you know, it was kind of hard because it'd been part of my life for a long time, but you know, the Lord opened up other avenues and, and stuff for writing. So it all worked out, but, um, yeah, it, it was a good experience. I think I had just under a thousand, subscribers by the time it was done which in those days felt like a big deal you know? wow because i think when you wrote this at 19 you had 200 oh wow okay um so it grew a lot in those yes. those last couple of years which which is really cool it's interesting because you can hear uh you can hear in how you wrote your story how god was using that to do something in you it's right. interesting. You can, you can hear it in your words. So I, I find that fascinating. And not that you needed to have continued it, but you can hear that you knew God was doing something with it. So that sure. I, I love that. So, um, and that's where, you know, like I said, I didn't, when I met grammar at, you know, age 11, 12, <laughs> serious grammar, I was like, I don't want to be a writer. When I was yeah. five, I wanted to be a writer. Uh, so I think it's, again, just a refining in me of realizing grammar is a tool, you know, yeah. it's just part of life. And I wanted to pass on things. And, and it is neat to see how you know, later on, I wrote for several publications through the years with little children. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me to write some books. I've written one book with my husband. So all that did kind of blossom into um, some more writing and then into some speaking. So it's kind of like those things that God was stirring in me and, and giving me interest for opening doors for in my teens did turn out to be the thread, uh, you could say, of what I've stuck with. So you had mentioned in, in the time of college, so you're doing the correspondence courses, then you took a break because you guys were caring for your grandmother. Yes what was sort of the next transition of your life? And that led you to meet your now husband because yeah. there's sort of a, a sort of a transitional period from what I'm hearing anyways, in a lot of ways, not only because your grandmother right. was sick and your, your grandfather was dealing with health issues. So what sort of happened that transitional period of time to you meeting your husband? Sure. Um, okay. So one aspect of my life that I don't even know if I brought up in the book was music. I, played yeah. and taught piano piano and violin and so I by think, this time two. okay yeah. um I had several piano students you know little kids uh and then I was trying to learn the violin just for fun but that wasn't really that wasn't really going anywhere it was really more piano that um I was really immersed in and so I, I did love that um kind of considered going into playing the piano you know, like I played for a church for a year, you know, just trying to seek out more ways to actually use that. So that was a little bit always in the side, you know, off, off to the side. 
Um, so yeah, I, I kind of determined though, based off of actually my piano, one of my piano teachers statement of you kind of need to go like into one track, not just be having 10 tracks that you're following. Yeah. Cause you know, everybody likes to do a lot of different things. So I kind of looked at it and I'm like, I love music, but I don't love it as much as I love the writing and the publishing aspect. So my goal was to move into more of that, um, you know, seeking out a little bit of speaking and speak, seeking out like putting the book together. Those actually didn't really come to fruition in that time. They came in later. Um, so that was probably about 20. I then met Israel, my husband, through the publishing. So I was just trying to okay. advertise in their magazine, to so advertise my magazine in their magazine because it reached a broader audience. And I was like, hey, you know, I just want to find out about um, what rate I need to get and all that. So that's when I initially talked to Israel. He was 19 at that time. I was 16 at the time that we first had our first phone call. And it was kind of fun because I did not even know who he was at that time. So it was just this conversation of going, okay, you know, how much, how much will it be and all that. But he would call every year or so just to find out if you want to renew your um, advertising, ask how things were going. And I, I noticed that we had a good connection through just being able to talk and um, use some shared values and all that. And so as I was reading his writings, which were then done his mom's publication, I just realized was going, oh, I really, I really believe that, you know, like, I really believe what he's saying. This is great. This is good stuff. And I was encouraged that there was someone else out there, another young person out there who was being vocal about their beliefs. Mm -hmm. So fast forward a little bit, um, his family ended up inviting my family because I was by this time a writer for their magazine, inviting our family up and just saying, hey, we love to meet our writers. We'd like to meet you. Well, the backstory is when I was 18, I had just been having some regular prayer time with the Lord just out in our backyard. Uh, you know, this is, this is Arizona in January. You can do that kind of thing. <laughs> and I really felt like the Lord was impressing on me that I was supposed to marry Israel. We had not mm. met. So this is the part where we talked, I'm like, but you had never met face to face. We never met. Okay, great. So this is like, I'm going, this is kind of crazy because here I am having this idea of like, I was supposed to marry this person. Never met him. I just have a, from a very far distance, you know, 1800 miles. Uh, appreciation for this other young person who's out there speaking about family life and family relationships and um, homeschooling and that kind of thing. So anyhow, uh, I just try to get rid of that thought as fast as I could because I'm like, that's silly. <laughs> this is just my brain like overreacting. So it kept coming back to me and back to me. And so I spent a lot of time in prayer. I mean, I was like, I, I honestly, uh, it's hard spending that much time in prayer now because we have big family yeah. but um you know i spent a lot of time in prayer just trying to sort out what was i feeling was the lord speaking to me something was this you know was this on the horizon and so by the time we met israel and his family it'd been two years of intense praying i had talked with my mom and dad a year prior to that and just said you know i i'm really starting to feel like this is who i'm supposed to marry well, they shocked me and said, we feel like you're supposed to marry him too. They'd been reading his articles and stuff. Oh, wow. So that was a shocker for me. Um, so anyways, we met them. And at this point, I didn't think that Israel was even like 
thinking about marriage. I mean, just he, he, he was polite. We talked, but it wasn't like, oh, wow, we have this heart connection or something. So uh, I kind of went home and just like, you know, Lord, I was kind of giving you this opportunity. And I don't see anything that happened here. So I'm confused. Right. So anyways, um, not long goes later, like two weeks later, he calls my dad. Um, now, okay, this, I grew up with that whole courtship experience, um, you know, teachings going on, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure everybody who has been uh, through the high house transplants has had like, you know, you know about that. So, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like so many families that have went through that, those courtship rules or, or the 101 questions you need to ask to know uh, if this is the right person or if this is the wrong person and so forth. I think my family had a kind of off track sort of um, thought process there because my mom and dad had both been married before they met each other and married each other. They were, so they were both divorced. So I grew up, uh, I mean, thank the Lord. uh, My parents were extraordinarily vulnerable about just saying, we have made mistakes in our life. These are the mistakes we've made. And here's how, you know, we view it now. Uh, and now, especially after they had become Christians and it was like, okay, so we have all of this baggage that we've carried around and we just would like something better for you. And so they're like, we don't know what that looks like. We're just saying we want something different for you. So, you know, my parents just, they, they laid it all out, honestly, and I'm thankful they did. So when it came to talking about relationships, you know, early on when I was say 10 and up, um, I knew that. I didn't want to go through the same thing that they went through, mm-hmm. you know, through the dating, through just that, that baggage, through the rejections, through the immorality that happened with one of the um, broken marriages. So I think our family was really open to that concept of emotional purity. How, what became a problem, I think, for when we heard about it between the ages of, my, say, when I was 14 to 17, somewhere in that range, everybody had their own definition. For some people, it was looks like the parent, you know, practically a prearranged marriage. For yeah. some, I think it looked like um, dating with the dad's permission, you know. So it's like all of these variety of things. I can't yeah, and you're talking about like, the, the the courtship identity. Yes, is what, what you're people define yeah. courtship as, this right? Is exa- yeah, yeah. It was, and this is the same time Josh Harris was writing his book about I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Yes. And so that um, also infused another uh, perspective. Right into the whole world. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's just a whole lot that was going on in that era. Um, you know, as, as far as people having their own definitions, I remember even one person, it was like, it's the young guy wooing the girl's heart with the dad's permission. And I don't know, there's so many things. Yeah. So anyhow, I just kind of got to a point realizing you can ask somebody a hundred questions, you can ask them, you know, because that was the big deal at the time. The parents are going to have this long questionnaire and right. you can ask them these gazillion questions and they can answer it, you know, right. They can answer it. You could, you could say biblically, you could say just whatever the family's preference is. Um, and yet you still don't, you still don't have that like guarantee. I really wanted something a little bit more anchored. And because of my parents' background with the divorce and all that. I just wanted to be really certain when I married somebody that it was uh, just going into it with God's leading. And so that kind of helps me maybe understand 
I was really approaching it with just a lot of prayer. And of course, with prayer, I wanted to have good advice. You know, my parents or family members or pastors um, be able to give some good advice. And so for Israel, he had some strong opposition to the courtship. Um, he had just seen a lot of courtships go badly. Yeah. And so that was not something he wanted to go through. So he had seen some good examples where young couples went from being friends to saying, let's discuss marriage and let's get engaged and let's get married. And so, um, you know, we at that time called it betrothal. I think the word has kind of gone, unfortunately, through the trash grinder. So that's a little bit like if I could determine, like call it something, I would say what we hope is spirit led with um, advice from trusted people who have, uh, you know, who have something good to offer in your life whether that's parents or pastors or other people. So like, just to, uh, you know, like, I think our story kind of became um, heavily used within the community, the Christian homeschool community for um, like, here's how you should get married. And our story was really unique because Israel went just from not even thinking about marriage to his mom saying, Hey, you should consider Brooke to as you should consider Brooke for marriage. So two weeks later, two weeks later, proposing to me. Um, and that was through a lot of prayer. And you could say, well, yeah, his mom suggested it, but you know, it it was totally on him. It's not, um, we, we value our parents for being involved, but they were not heavily involved in the sense of directing in it or controlling it. Right. Um, so I'm going you, on you and on. You guys feel like you kinda... made those decisions. Your parents didn't make the decisions for you. You right, guys made those right. decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right because the, the idea of betrothal still carries that connotation. Almost like the woman doesn't yeah. get a whole lot of say the, right. the men are deciding something in the background and she's going to, out of so-called respect, yeah. go along with it. And that is not what right. you guys experienced, which is right. Like the middle Eastern or India yeah. still has some of that stuff, you know, and it's like, we we're just trying to look for a biblical t- kind of word to apply to it. But I mean, you don't go making big financial decisions without advice. You know, like we we bought a house last year. We had it inspected by somebody who knew what they were doing because yeah. we need that feedback from someone who's more experienced than we are. You know, just things like that. So yeah, I think a lot of it's just common sense. Um, well, ironically, uh, so, we did the same thing with our education. Like yeah. we're not familiar or feel competent enough in a particular area. We seek others who have sure. more experience or wisdom or competence sure. in that area. That's that's a right. common thing for all of us in all circumstances. So, yeah. So, anyways, that's a, that's a long side trail just to say, yeah, it was a very unusual, very unusual way that God led us together, built on my side with a ton of prayer. Uh, and then with Israel, just praying a lot. And um, then being bold enough to say, yeah, this, this is something I feel God's leading me to do. And I'm, I'm going to just, instead of going through a romantic trial period, we did just go right into an engagement and uh, got married four and a half months later. So, uh, you know, I, I do I look that. at so many families, so many couples um, who tried out some experiences with, you know, just what people would probably turn the courtship movement even still today. And uh, it failed. And, you know, I, I, I think that's so sad. I, I think there's just no silver bullet. I think it's, yeah. it needs to be led by biblical principles of, of purity, of having the families involved as appropriate or, you know, other trusted, um, I'm looking for uh, mentors 
or and then praying, you know, praying that the Lord will direct all the steps in those relationships. So long, long winded, <laughs> little no, side but this, there, but that's good because I think it, let me let me do a couple of quick questions to just to put some clarities sure. in there. So, um, uh, first of all, I love that you guys actually met over a business relationship in in your high yeah. school years. That's fantastic to me. Um, you were advertising Kindred Spirits with the magazine that his parents already had. I think you said. What, yes. What was their publication? So that was the Homeschool Digest. Um, ran like twenty some years, so it's a long they, running magazine. I, I had no. So they did the home. I know all about the Homeschool Digest. I remember that okay. being in my mom's. I mean, she got sure. the Homeschool Digest. Well, of course, she did. I didn't know. So did their family start the Homeschool Digest? Yes, nineteen eighty eight. So. Oh my gosh, I had no know, idea. Quite a ways back there. That's. I, that's funny. I would have never. Okay. That helps. Cause now I have a much better frame of reference. That was, that was a quite popular publication. So, yes. um, yes. okay. So you were advertising kindred spirits in that. What was it around? I think you said, was it around 20 years old that you visited and met in person? Yes. Right. Okay. So you had, you had four years or so where you guys were interacting more of a, right. of a, on a business level with one another. Yes. So you, you had time, you had to know each other in that capacity yeah. and, and probably even some others in those discussions, I would assume. So that's right. fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't wow. as out of the blue as perhaps it would have seemed, but it was still, it wasn't a romantic relationship at all. It was just a friendly business slash ministry uh, relationship there. And that's fascinating to me because one of the one of the things about the courtship idea was when you sometimes when you pursue a traditional dating relationship, what you're getting to know about one another are the things you choose to let each other know about. Oh, and sure. there's there's very often a desire to withhold the things that you might perceive as being negative or right. rejectable. And you guys got to know each other without any of that context you got to know each other without necessarily that um that desire to shield yourself and and that to me is neat because it was an authentic this is who i am we're talking about something relating to what i'm writing and what you're writing and what you're doing and so it sounds very authentic to me i i I love that so yeah no it was and i i've i've heard since then that sometimes like the best way to meet your spouse is just to be go do what god calls you to do you know, yeah. whether that's here right. or there or wherever, instead of like seeking one, just get busy living life with the Lord and, and then, you know, it'll come to pass. We'll see what and, happens. Um, so I think that's been true for us for sure. Wow. Okay. So married at eight, end of your twenties, yes. twenty, early 21. Yep. Okay. No, I was still 20. 20. Okay. And then, so he was, okay. So then, um, how many kids do you guys have now? You said you had quite a few kids. Okay. So we have 11. 11, okay. 11, yeah. I grew it's, up with one brother, so you can kind of understand what a transition this has been for me. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny because uh, did, on a lot of the stories, it's all like the spectrum of of everybody's life and in where they are from where they grew up to where they are now. So it's just amazing that... It, it, it's everything I could imagine is covered in people's lives as they've grown up. Um, Yeah. So I can imagine. I I love that. Um, Silly question, but you guys are homeschooling your kids. Yes, definitely. Yep. Yeah. We got three graduates now. So, 
So, so wow. was, was Israel was homeschooled as well. He was. So there was there was he had a similar good experience. So that when you guys got married, yeah. did you guys have conversations ahead of time about yeah. are we going to homeschool? Now, I will say we had less about that because it was kind of obvious to each other, like we'd been okay. writing about those sorts of things. So we'd already kind of, in a sense, we'd had that conversation. Um, but, you know, it, it did come up and and we, his experience was growing up um, in 1978. So the year I was born, actually, yeah. his family started homeschooling, not legal at the time. I can't mm-hmm. say it wasn't legal, but it wasn't, it was very much unheard of. And, uh, so his experience was a little bit different. He had a single mother, uh, so, you know, abusive stepfather, a divorce with his, his dad had happened with his mom and dad. So it was kind of a whole different family dynamic, but he was homeschooled, um, basically all the way through. And so for us, that was pretty much just, you know, yeah, this is what we're doing no doubt about it for us. Um, you know, we had a lot more conversations just on other things like how many children to have and that kind of thing that we're not as maybe we were not as aware of. It It's, it's fun to ask this question because you're, some of your kids are already graduated and everything. So you'll have experienced a lot. One of the things I'm always fascinated by is looking back and having homeschooled your kids. Are there things about the homeschool world that you see as were a negative and I'm talking kind of the, and for you, it's going to be a little different because the, some of them are older even, but growing up, do you look back and say, you know, these, this was something that I experienced in my homeschool environment that now I look back and go, not a big fan of that. Or having, having had all of those kids that you've raised, are there things that you look at in the homeschool world and say, this is something I think in the homeschool world is probably not a big positive. Is there anything mm. like that that stands out to you? Well, I had such a good experience growing up. So I want to caveat, you know, just saying like that first, I had, I had a really good experience growing up. Um, You know, I think a lot of it reflected on a really positive family experience that the homeschooling was an extension. You know, I grew up with absolutely no abuse. I grew up with a solid family, mom and a dad, you know, it's just, we didn't have a lot of major moves in my life or anything. So, um, you know, I think that all contributed to a really positive homeschooling experience. So I look at it and I'm like, you know, my mom really tried to do a good job of being like, here's, here's what you need to accomplish this year, help us through that, teach us, but also create some free time in there. So it wasn't like overly driven and it wasn't, um, underachievement kind of thing. So I think that's, you know, for me, that was really good. I never had personally a big desire to be, let me put it this way. I had some reasons I didn't want to be very immersed in the general culture around me as far as media, movies and that. Now we watched movies, we, we did all that. So it was, it's not like it was not a part of my life, but I be, I was really like just wanting to be careful of what I put in front of my eyes. And so I would say within the homeschool community, there was always still that peer pressure of, you know, have you seen the latest? Have you seen this and that? There was, there was friends I had um, that had went to the homeschool prom, got pregnant, 
you know, so there's some of that, all that stuff too yeah. that happens that we hear about, you know, out in the government schools that were happening even within the homeschool community. And so there, you know, I think, I think you can never escape sin and the fallen world around us. Yeah. And so I think some of those things, um, you know, I saw other family members, or sorry, not family members, other people around me that had very differing views of, well, did homeschooling shelter them? No, it apparently didn't, you know, that kind of thing. So that's a long-winded way, again, of saying, I look at my homeschool experience, and it it really was, it was just amazing. It was really good. I think my mom and dad did an excellent job. Um, You know, they always kept us up to par with uh, just needing what we needed to accomplish each year, Um, graduated with full ability to go on to college, which I did for a short time again, and um, never had a problem there you know, with the sheltering, I think is that tricky point that in the schools, in the government schools, you're going to be exposed to here's everything in the world. I think for sometimes in the homeschool community, um, that might be a challenge of when and how do we make that transition for having helping a young person know here's what's happening out there. And so, like I told you with my mom and dad, I never had any like uh, feeling unaware of what was happening out in the world. They did a great job just being like, here's what, here's what's happening in the world. Here's our perspective. Uh, here's what we went through and what we want to, you know, help you to avoid. Um, so they so have an open dialogue about it with you guys. Yeah, Instead of trying yeah. to hide you from it, this is what's going on. Right. Here's what we think. And then having the ability to talk about it with you guys yes. and think about yep. it and make your decisions. So I think that really, you know, like that was really helpful. Um, So, so then, you know, for me growing up in that experience, but also, you know, just choosing personally more than my family, but somewhat my family choosing to not participate in all the worldly media yeah, uh, has been interesting then for homeschooling my own children, (laughs) because, uh, you know, there's maybe a bit of a mother mother hen wanting to protect my sweet children uh, from everything going on in the world. And so my husband's been great because he's just, he's able to have those open conversations and just be like, here's what's happening out in the world. Here's um, he'll, he'll take music. He'll print off the lyrics and, and lead them through a whole thing and just say here, what, what do you think about this worldview? What do you think about that yeah. worldview? What do you think this line's trying to say? And um, so for our children, you know, just again, that like now the next generation, right? For them, I don't think that there's been a sense of them not being aware of what's going on in the world or having a overly sheltered kind of perspective, you know, maybe at, yeah, age six or something, but going onward, no. Um, but it's just that balance. Like, like I said, I think for, for my husband and I, it's just, we're a good team because he's able to engage on that level a little bit better than I am with the children for for our children our young people and be able to introduce that and you know kids grow up so fast you know it's like yes, they do. in my 40s i'm like you guys are so young and of course when i was 16 17 or whatever i didn't feel so young How, uh, um uh, what's what's the age of your youngest what's the age of your oldest okay so my oldest is 22 okay and my youngest is 18 months oh so, wow that is Every a day. huge spread. Yes, okay. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's funny because we have we have friends here and it's uh 18 to 
18 to six months or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As well. Kind so. of the same spread. No, it really, it really hit home one day. So my son works as a scrub technician for my oldest son works as a scrub technician for um, an eye surgery center. Okay. So he comes home uh, this is when he was 20 and he's like, okay, they gave me all this paperwork about starting my 401k and like, you know, I need to help sorting through this. And I had just been uh, kind of working with our little guy who is now three. He, he's, this was, you know, a little bit back. He was our 10th, 10th child on potty training. And my mind just about split because oh my gosh. here's one guy like working with a retirement plan going in place and this yeah. guy getting potty trained. Um, we found that you couldn't get your 401k until you're 21. So that was, that was a little bit of a delay there, but you know, it's just, it, it shook my mind like, wow. Yeah. Um, it's been quite a ride. It's been fun. And, and I love that because a lot of the people I'm talking to from, I mean, the book was 25 years ago. So, yeah. so much has changed. And so you're getting a lot of that. Wow. Looking back, this is just right. nuts. So um, as your kids have, have gone through the homeschool experience, are you, are you finding in general that their experience has also been positive having grown up in the same sort of way that you guys were raised? You know, I, I think so. I think they've all been pretty vocal about it being a good experience. It, they're all, my oldest three are all very different from each other, different goals and all that. And so, um, you know, it's, it's fun to see them each blossom in their own time and to go forward. And so for uh, the one that's just newly graduated, you know, there's a little bit of that. Okay, what am I going to do next? Because he's not going to choose the college path at this moment. He's yeah. looking into some other work. Um, but he's going to do great. He's he's going on a mission trip next month. He's uh, working in some construction under a guy. He's been offered a couple jobs. So I feel like, you know, it's gonna it's gonna all be good. But um, you know, they've all just shown me a lot of appreciation for the homeschooling time, for being able to have time to take in information, just read books, process it, and each stay at their own pace, you know, just being able to learn, um, you know, without the hinderment of a whole class having to stay at the same pace. So I really appreciated that. And then, you know, it'll be fun. I've got three in high school right now. And so we're kind of in that push for the next wow. three graduates. And it's a lot of work, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been really good. I, I love the conversations that ensue. That's probably to me, one of the best gems about homeschooling yeah. on a practical side is not just like getting facts in, but saying, how, how can you use this in the world? How can, uh, how can you see a difference in perspective if you come at it from a Christian perspective, or if you come at it with a man-centered view? And just being able to talk all that through and be able to, you know, equip them. And I, and I will say it just went so fast that, um, you know, I kind of went like, I wanted to cram in 20 hours a day, at least of work and, and, and music lessons and, you know, soccer practice and that kind of thing. And you have to select very strategically what you're doing. So, um, so it's been a really good experience. Yeah. And I think we find, we find that, um, the conversations are the probably the most uh, I'll use the word academic things we can mm -hmm. do with our kids and um, like the book learning the studying there's there's definitely value but it does yeah. seem like the conversation the back and forth is some of the most fruitful things that yes um, and the most fun things as a parent I think you can do with your kids so right. I, 
I love when you have the time to, or when you make the time for that, but it is hard. Yeah. Because it seems like there's so many polls against people's time, especially with having what, 10, 10 kids, 11. Yeah. 11. Yep. How do you, you know, to have enough time to invest in all of them, it always feels to me like you're behind in having that time with the kids. There's just never enough time. There's never. And so true. And you sort of accept that at some point and say, well, I'm enough. I'm going to probably always feel like this. So (laughs) probably um, sort of come, come to terms with it. So, um, so you and Israel's, you're both doing the family renewal business then that's your guys. That's your home business. You guys have, are the kids helping with that? Somewhat. Uh, so far they haven't really like, as they've come of age, they haven't really had a huge interest in continuing, you know, they kind of know what we do. Um, but they haven't had a big interest in it. And sometimes it is a little hard to know how to plug in because it's primarily Israel and myself writing and speaking. So, you know, they can't do that for us or with us. Right. Yeah. But they've gone on trips with us, get to be a roadie at times and, you know, get to sit in on sessions and got to meet some incredible people too. So it's been, it's been fun for them in that level. Um, I think they, most of them know how to punch a little uh, POS system to do a receipt you know, yes. here and there. Did a lot of that with my mom traveling as well. Yeah, you, sure. you get a lot of experiences. Yeah. Um, are you guys doing, Is it, it's not just homeschool um, when you're writing and, t- and speaking. Is right. it, is it, it's, it's, it looks to me like it's, it's almost any sort of Christian context, whether yes. it's homeschooling or religious it, it, you guys are in all of that. Yes. But it, so the, Israel the, loves speaking on like apologetics, world Christian worldview. Yeah. So uh, he's got lots of sessions that he's done. Just like, how do you know the Bible is true? And what do you do with uh, the contradictions that um, some people would bring up as far as what's in the Bible and so forth? How do you share how to share the gospel. So he's done like he does teen tracks with that kind of thing. He does mm-hmm. some, some online kinds of courses with that. Not a whole lot yet with that speaking in a lot of churches and then preaching at churches as well. Not just like a, a Sunday night or a weekend apologetics class, but like preaching he's um, written some books uh, that would go through some different theology questions. Kind of fun thing that he did was based off of, questions that God asks in the Bible and questions Jesus asks. So like God says to Adam and Eve, where are you? Or specifically maybe say Adam. And um, he so was like, well, let's examine where God was asking the questions. Cause a lot of times we think of people having the questions. So um, that's a big foundation of, mm. of the preaching aspect of what we do. We did name it family renewal just because we saw so much need for the relationship aspects in families to have some restoration, some renewal, you know, just to have, um, just to have those dynamics working well, because when you've got that working well, I feel like uh, you got a lot that can happen within the the community, the church, the homeschooling that can really blossom. But when the family breaks down, you know, so much, uh, so much trouble begins there. So again, with him coming from a background where family life was not done well, yeah, that's just been huge on his heart to uh, to have that aspect. So then we do have this family discipleship. We I I have a um, my book here that we did together. Uh, this is called Pitching a Pitching Fit. A fit. 
And it's basically about helping parents just overcome angry parenting techniques. So for Israel, you know, that, that was something he saw done by this abusive stepfather he had. And so he's like, no way, not doing that, not repeating that. Um, but then for me, I just came at it with talking about some of the pressures of having, well, this is years ago now, but when we had a lot of little ones, just, you know, how to handle that without just lashing out in anger or stress or something. So um, that's a big part of what we do. And then homeschooling is a big part of what we do. Israel still speaks at a lot of homeschool conferences. Um, I've had a chance to go to uh, probably about four this year and speak there myself. So, you know, a lot of family life stuff, but we love just even the aspect of having the opportunity through homeschooling to pass on the academic portion. I, I think there's just nothing better in my life than being able to teach my children. I just love it. From the ABCs to even chemistry. <laughs> but maybe not chemistry as much, but not chemistry as much. <laughs> Greetings. Was... Yeah, that's fun. But you know, <laughs> I, I was terrible at science. I could never, I was always bad at remembering all of the different terminologies and names. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because you brought up one of your sons, um, not sure about college and um, doing some construction stuff. And I did, I did junior college, but I had hmm. no idea why I was in junior college. I think I was there for almost five years. Okay. And, and, and uh, I, 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 yeah, I had no idea why I was there. I kept I kept bouncing around and changing my major. Yeah. But I had no no concept at that time what I was supposed to do. That that was always the challenge was you're growing up, you're like, what are you gonna do with your life? I have no idea. Yeah. But you always felt like you were supposed to know. And right. um, I ended up getting into construction and then I did my own business. That's what I've been doing for a long time. Okay. But nobody at the time ever said, Hey, you should look at a trade school. You should look at a yeah. getting in or nobody said that until years of college had gone by. And, um, and so I love, I love the freedom to be able to tell your kids, Hey, if, if, if you need and desire college, great. If you yeah. don't great, there's so yeah. much need for all of these other things that have all of these other skill sets that are just yeah. as respectable as having right. a PhD or a master's. And, and I always found it fun because I have no official college degree. Okay. But I am I am working on people's houses who have PhDs and masters and incredible educations. They can't change a toilet paper holder in their house. They they can't do what I do. Right. And that was a very humbling thing to look at a homeschool world and say, instead of looking at our kids and their education narrowly and say, well, you need to, in order to succeed, you need to go through this and you need to get a, right. this kind of college education, to then be in a place to look and say, these peoples with the college educations need me. Yes. And that was humbling. It was sort of, um, it, it was sort of, it changed the dynamic of how I viewed myself mm -hmm. because you have something to offer without mm -hmm. having maybe what everybody else had or with, what a lot of other people had. So right. anyways, it's exciting right. to me here. There's other people like your son that are also looking, hey, maybe I want to do this. And I found most right. of the time, and, and it sounds like your son is this way if he's already gotten job offers. When you raise kids who are responsible and hardworking, they will never lack. Because, yeah. because even with college education, that doesn't necessarily make you responsible or hardworking. 
It means you showed up and you got a piece of paper, but so it excites me to hear your son is in that particular place because he's got what he needs to be an incredible, successful person already. So anyways, that's exciting to me to hear. You guys have done obviously a great job to, to get a young man to that point. It's rewarding, you know, to see our kids grow up and flourish in where, you know, some of them just starting, but flourishing in something that they're enjoying and working hard at it and becoming skilled at it. And it's like, wow, you know, that's something I think my brother and I really felt like when we grew up, we felt like there was nothing we were scared to learn because our life had just been spent. Okay. We're going to learn this. Okay. We're going to learn that. We don't know how to do it. Learn it. And um, that just goes a long ways. I think, you know, just parents mentality, but you know, we hope we're passing that on to our kids too of, you know, now YouTube's around, but you know, like just dig in and and learn and and do it. So. And I think that reinforces some of the um, strengths of homeschooling, which is you're Mm -hmm. teaching them to be learners to, to inquire and to be curious. And and then as they get older, they have the ability to teach and learn anything they want as they begin to be interested in things like, Right. I'm suddenly history, uh, interested in military history. Great. Go learn it to your yeah. heart's content and do what you seek to do with it. And I think a lot of times education doesn't teach people how to learn and to be inquisitive yes. and to, to, to yes. be curious. It's more sometimes like do this, repeat this, <laughs> right? check that off and then move on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. did your kids, and I'm going to, I'm going to let you go because it's, it's already been an hour. I want to respect your oh, time. Wow. Um, have you seen any, anything in your kids that would give you the sense that they've struggled with the homeschool world, whether it be, and Mm. I'm, I'm sort of correlating kind of, kind of what you and I grew up with and the, the concerns or criticisms, are you seeing them deal with any of those in their context nowadays? I wouldn't say no. Um, I think the one thing that would be a caveat would be one of my children now grown is an introvert. Mm-hmm. And I think that took a little while to come out of um, before, before he was graduated that happened. But I would say that kind of was something that, you know, he could look at and say, okay, that was a little bit of a hump in my life. That's not actually, in my opinion, related to the homeschooling or not. So there's that. Um, In fact, it it was just kind of our children are very involved in the Bible quizzing program to our church. And so there was a youngster that kind of met him the first day and was like, I will make you an extrovert by the time this is done. Well, it happened. And it's it's just funny how your life changes, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, I think there's that balance of um, helping especially a child who has unique abilities or unique, um, you know, what we might say, just like dyslexia or that kind of thing, or then personality issues to ride through that smoothly. I think that's more related to family life and to that particular personality, um, especially with introverted stuff. Um, So, you know, I could see like, that's something that, that a child can come through and say, especially through the teen years, like, oh, well, that was awkward. But in his 20s, he's flourishing. So I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if that would, there would any be 
anything particularly related to actually homeschooling in his experience. Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, and I and I wouldn't and I wouldn't consider an introvert. I it's funny, my wife and I are polar opposites. She's an she's more introverted and and the older I get, the more I look at that and say there there's great strengths to yeah. to the introverts um that that the world sort of shuns, unfortunately. Right. And um so I don't look at it as a weakness anymore. Sure. I, I look at it as there's there's some real wisdom mm-hmm. to um, how they tend to operate. And there's some real flaws with how extroverts tend to be, but extroverts tend to be the ones that are talking the most about how introverts need to become more extroverted and the introverts are going, right. Why? <laughs> they're just in their minds thinking and going, well, that's silly. And yeah, I have no reason to respond to you about that. You know? So, um, yeah, cause my wife and I have, we've shifted. I've become more introverted and she's become a little more extroverted which I, I love there's a there's a strength yeah. in each other helping to right to to usually there's it's it's a faith issue and a comfort issue but um I love the process of of seeing other people help e- help each other come out of things and into right. things that are just making them thrive mm-hmm. so um it's kind anyways. of a, yeah completing as a more whole person is you know and that just takes some maturity too take some years. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the key is, and what part of why it's, it's for me, it's interesting to, to go back to you guys from the stories and then go 25 years later, because yeah. it's so hard, you know, I reading some of these stories, I just, I feel it's an embarrassment sometimes to read my own story because you, you look at where we were so long yeah. ago and, um, and it can be embarrassing to, to go, wow, I was so naive or, I, mm-hmm. I can't believe I thought that and mm-hmm. just to give it time and let God do what he's going to do in our hearts and our minds as we get older and, and then to go, okay, I have a slightly different perspective or we, right. we gain the wisdom, especially when we have kids, it, <laughs> it tends to bring a whole new reality. So, um, this is so true. Well, I really appreciate it, Brooke. It was, it was interesting because when I went to try to find everybody from the book, it didn't dawn mm-hmm. on me that a lot of the ladies would have different last names. So at first I was researching, okay, where am I going to find, where where am I going to find Brooke uh, Tingham? I think it was Tingham. Couldn't find you anywhere. And it was so funny (laughs) then like, oh my gosh, of course people have been married and the last names have probably changed. So um, yeah, the, the, the website, I'd encourage people that are listening that go to the, 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 um, the family renewal, it's familyrenewal.org. I was just looking at your pitch in a fit book and it, it, I can imagine this, this topic is so big because mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents that are struggling with this exact issue of feeling that, that they are parenting out of the angst and the stress of life and yeah. they feel guilty about it. And it's, yep. and so, um, but there's so much on this website. It's been interesting to kind of just go back and and see all the different things that you and your husband have been doing. So yeah, it's uh, been, it's been a busy life. It's been good. It sounds like it. And it sounds like it's, it's been positive and that's, that's what's neat. Yeah. Some of the, some of the stories I've been catching up on, not so positive, and, but right. that's what I love is I want it, I just want it to be an authentic perspective. Where are you authentically, yeah. whether it's positive, whether it's negative, the goal is right. to give people an authentic view of mm-hmm. the homeschooling experience that they've had. So um, yeah. Good. 
Brooke, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Tell your husband, thank you and your family. Thank you. I appreciate the, uh, I know hour and something can take a lot from the family. So well, I, you, I, I appreciate it very much. So It's good to catch up a little bit too. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Okay. You too. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.